Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Tuesday morning. It's December 27th. It's our first show since before Christmas. So we have both the loss in Boston on Friday and the loss in Miami on Monday night to discuss. To do that, we have Wolves beat writer Chris Kine from the Star Tribune to join us. He's always on the road, uh, this time from his hometown. Chris, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast with a guest in Scranton, Pennsylvania before. I feel feel kind of special. <laughs> should we do some sort of office theme? Uh, I should have queued that? up. Uh, oh, we man. Should, we should have queued up an office segment, right? I Yeah. Um, I'll play us out yeah. with that. <laughs> Very exciting for the readers. I am recording this from my childhood bedroom. This wow. Is, uh, I know. Great, great stuff for a podcast. Uh <laughs> There, there is a. Uh, I will say this: there is a Larry Bird autograph painting go. on the wall. That I, when I was like four or five years old, like Larry Bird was my favorite player. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the remnants from my childhood hanging up here on the wall. I saw you. Uh, you tweeting out. There's also, the by the way, there's also a Mariah Carey concert ticket <laughs> up here as well. I uh, figured. I'll, I'll I figured that. Much. that. <laughs> the duality that is me. Yeah. <laughs> was it cool to be able to uh, watch the game on Friday with your dad? I mean, he's a Celtics fan, right? Yeah, it was. It was really cool. Um, you know, he he has a league pass, and so he watches uh, Celtics games. Or we, we, I hook up the league pass for him, mm-hmm. and um, you yeah, know, it was fun. He, he's he's been a Celtics fan his whole life, dating back to like that sixties run uh, that they had of yeah. all the all the titles with Bill Russell and. And yeah, it's still it's still there for him. He, he coached basketball for thirty three years, so he has a lot of thoughts <laughs> about how NBA offenses and defenses operate, and right. and officiating too. <laughs> he wanted a couple. He wanted a couple travels called on Anthony Edwards. Uh, just in general, not a fan of the Euro step. <laughs> Did you say, you know, Dad? That, this yeah, team. Mistaken. This team doesn't need any more turnovers, you know. So we can... <laughs> yeah, they commit they commit enough turnovers of their of their own volition here. Um, so it, it was it was fun. I was I was glad the timing worked out. He watched the game last night too. Cool. Um, not as invested in that. Maybe a little more invested in his fantasy matchups. So he was he had the he had the football game on the iPad as well. Right. So but yeah, it was it's been fun. Well, we so from these two games, um, I, I, you know, everybody who had the the chance to kind of watch it, right, Chris? It was it was a lot of the unfortunate old themes of this team, the ones that have been uh, issues a lot this season, um, issues prior to the Gobert trade last season. It's the it's the defensive rebounding, uh, it's the it's the turnovers, and I think it's the right like lack of execution yep. in in higher leverage situations. Uh, this team just has not had that um, recently, uh, for sure. Uh, largely hasn't had it this year. I'll let you, because you wrote for the Sunday paper about the the rebounding, I'll let you take the first swing at kind of describing this all-too-familiar rebounding issue uh, that this that this team has had. Yeah, it's it's something that I talk about every week when I come yeah. on here, too. So it's, it's something that if you listen to this podcast, you're not familiar with it. It is my, my number one issue with this team. It is, I think, their biggest problem. It, it, it has little to do with how Rudy and Kat fit on the roster or anything mm-hmm. to do with that. And just just something that is a foundational element of the DNA of this team that they just don't rebound well. Um, yeah. It showed up in that Boston game in the fourth quarter. You know, they're, they're – it's a one possession game last night against Miami. Kyle Lowry misses. They don't get the rebound. Mm-hmm. And then Tyler Hero's bearing along what turned out to be a long two in the corner to make it a five point game. And it made it almost uh, really hard for them to come back from that. You secure a rebound in that situation. You're coming down with about 
35, 40 seconds left, whatever it was, yep. and you have a chance to cut it to one or tie the game. It, it, it just is the number one issue. They, they don't, they still don't box out. They still don't locate a man. These long rebounds are, I would love to see a heat chart of where yeah. they give up the most offensive rebounds and compared to the rest of the league. Um, I would, I would love to see, I'm sure they have that. Like, in yeah, their if, if any, if any listener knows where that is, uh, yeah. email or DM Chris and I, 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 I cause right. I mean, the, what you're saying and what Finch has been saying mm-hmm. to us. And I think we, with the, even without the sh- heat map, like I think this checks out, yeah. it's, it's the long rebounds, right? It's, yep. it's, it's not a, a Rudy specific individual problem it's it's rebounding around rudy or i guess if you were going to assign some blame to rudy it's it's an inability to like rebound outside of his zone um around the rim and and so much of that you know does i think more of that falls on on the guards and wings because they are the longer rebounds uh to go get that this clip we didn't get much from finch last night but this clip was jace asking uh Finch about this after the the Boston game. Here, here's Finch on the rebounding. Yep. So guards and wings have been the issue, the primary issue with the rebounding struggles the last two years here. Well, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's definitely um, you know, it's everybody really, but we've had pretty good rebounding out of the five position. So our starting five, that is. So Chris, where where do you think Finch is with all of this? I mean, I, I think as as some of these losses start to pile up, particularly the ones that when they seem, you know, effort based, uh, I, I think in the fan base, there's there's increased frustration with Finch in that this hasn't that these things haven't changed. And and when patterns, you know, kind of materialize, I think one of the first things is to is to point at the coach there. I mean, how much of this do you feel is fair to attribute to to Finch versus, you know, to just put on the guards or maybe to put on roster construction in general, like is this on, are these rebounding issues on Chris Finch at all? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when you keep harping on the same problem, I think everybody has to share some responsibility here. Right. Yeah. Like, especially if you've been, if you've been complaining and and harping on the same thing for the last two seasons, um, I, I've thought a lot about this where it's like, are, are some players just more naturally inclined to be rebounders than others? Can you go from being a bad, you know, kind of like we talked with shooting. Mm-hmm. Can you go from like being a bad shooter to an okay shooter? Can you go from being a bad rebounder to an okay rebounder? And it seems like you should be able to, mm-hmm. if a lot of it is just focus and energy and effort. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that at the NBA level. I, I habits get so ingrained in you um, by the time you hit the NBA. How long does that take for a player to really develop those kind of habits that turn them into an okay to a good rebounder? Is it like you know more like learning defense at an NBA level? Like it takes guys a few years coming out of college to really learn the nuances of of defending at the NBA level, does it take a few years or several years for guys to finally get what it takes to be a consistent rebounder? Again, it doesn't seem like it should take that Mm -hmm. because it's rebounding of all things. It's just rebounding the basketball. It's not figuring out elaborate rotations or pick and roll coverage. It's just the ball's there, put a body on a man. I, I will say that there, there were instances I noticed in the Boston game, for sure. a little bit in the Miami game where, where guys were boxing out, they just weren't big enough in certain instances. And guys were kind of not, you know, going over their backs in a legal fashion mm. to get rebounds. So in those in those instances, it was just more of a of a height issue with who was matched up on who at that given moment. But there were also some where it was like, okay, um, you know, Anthony Edwards or, or Jalen Noel just weren't like, weren't turned around, weren't boxing out, weren't focused on, on a guy and, and somebody kind of just slips to their left or slips to their right, gets in that position, and all of a sudden the ball's swinging back around and, and the opponent's hitting an open three. Ant's that the interesting one, right? Too much. Like yeah. because we do it does seem with him 
kind of more than anyone else on the team that there can be this real like rebounding light switch that he can turn on or off. And you know, to, to be fair to him, I think over the last, what, 10, 12 games, more often than not, that light switch has been on. And, yeah. and you know, he is getting those eight, nine rebounds in a game that this team desperately needs. But then there are those instances, like we all see those possessions here and there where that effort, that attacking of the defensive rebound is not there from Ant. And I, I, I hadn't really like looked into the defensive numbers, like player by player much in, in a while. And it, it stood out to me from your article. Uh, and then I went and looked it up more that, you know, the, the defensive rebounding issues are really tied to Ant. Like this team yeah. does defensive rebound worse or maybe you can go into that a little bit more but but ant is the one where yeah. the defensive rebounding has been the worst correct yeah that that it, it, and it honestly surprised me a little bit because mm-hmm. i i felt like to your point i feel like he has been getting better he's he's his rebounding has increased right. uh from this first year to the second year to his third year like he's gotten more rebounds a game but the number that stood out to me was his off court defensive rebounding percentage was uh 72.4 that is the highest mm-hmm. uh the wolves rebound when anybody is off the floor yep um so that that number definitely stood out to me um and i think and this, rebound... this checks out this checks out too just because yeah. i went like ant is the worst and that on off defensive rebounding differential but the the next three that are just slightly above him but still negatives are Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, and D'Angelo Russell. So what what that like helps or what that affirms to me is that this is a pretty accurate representation. Cause I think we would all say to the eye test as well that, you know, that the defensive rebounding is worse when Nas is on than when Gobert is on, right? We see that. D I right. think we see that. Kyle Anderson, particularly at the beginning of the season, I remember looking it up maybe 20 games into the season and and he was it was significantly worse when when he was rebounding as well and I think we can all picture that some too so this is one of those stats particularly now like 34 whatever games into the season well I mean there's literally been like a thousand some rebounding opportunities like it's a pretty accurate representation here and to the ant point like largely ant has been what's kind of kept this team afloat without without cats so and we're not right. we're not taking away from what ant has done i mean i think we've been talking about how great his numbers have been in the the stepping up he's done in a lot of other areas as a leader and defender and some of the, these other things recently but it's just this sticks out and to be that star superstar player right like there is a little bit you know, there there is just a higher level of expectation there, and it's it is kind of unacceptable that he has the worst on off defensive rebounding differential, given how much of an issue this clearly clearly is to the team. He just doesn't have that light switch on enough. Yep, and like I said, it it doesn't. I was stunned when I saw it because mm. I did not think that was going to be the case. I thought I thought his numbers were going to be more in line with where they were last year, which was kind of more. His off-court rebounding was uh, it was seventy point three percent, which was more in line with where they were as a team. So it, it didn't really stick out from last season, even though he was he was getting right. personally fewer rebounds. Um, that's yeah, just because the longer just, rebounds, just, Bando and Pat Bev and those yeah, guys were yeah picking yeah, them yeah, up. Yeah, I think that's, that's what that is. But he, but you know, it's not like they were a great rebounding team True. last year. They still stunk. Um, <clears throat> so. But I, I think it just goes to show you, like, like when I think of when I think of the the issues that they have with rebounding, and and it's it's kind of along the lines of when Ant is locked in just on the defensive end in general. Like when he when he's focused, he can be really good on the defensive end or rebounding. But when he lets the focus slip, which he is prone to do, um, we talk a lot about that with his off ball defense, even though that's improving. Um, but I think with rebounding, you just get caught watching or you get caught trying to sneak out in transition. And, you know, again, I would love to, I would also love to see how many of opponent three pointers come off of second yeah. chance or third chance opportunities for the Wolves. Um, 
I I don't have those numbers available. Um, I'm sure that's some that they also have, right. but it just seems like, I mean, how many times does it does it happen where open threes are generated because the Wolves just didn't get a rebound and not because of anything they did in half court defense? Totally. No, I mean that that's that has been that has been glaring, and I think a lot of those too. I mean, let, let's like. It's not all on the guards either, too. Like a lot of the times I yeah. think we can picture what you're describing right there is a big getting a rebound by the rim, immediately catching it, pivoting out and finding somebody, you know, open in the corner for a, a what is a clean three point look that has those have been killer. I mean, these points off of these offensive rebounds have really hurt the team. I think this does this ties into, you know, the bigs as well. We're acknowledging a lot of this is on the guards. I, I want to talk about Nas and Rudy together yeah. through the lens of uh of rebounding uh but also just them playing together let's take a quick break we'll be back with chris today's show is sponsored by falling knife brewing company and i wanted to let you know that Britt robson and i will be doing another live show at falling knife on january 5th at 6 30 p.m we figured the fifth would be a good time to get back together with all of you being as that will be about halfway through the season so we'll take stock of wherever the team is at that time if you haven't been to one of these live events before it's just Britt and i recording our normal show but out in public uh, however we will be there about an hour early to have a beer and chat with those of you who can join and we'll stay a while after the show to to mingle with all of you so that's a live show at falling knife brewing company on january 5th at 6 30 p.m i'll be there by 5 30 if you want to come early and say hello and we'll both stay for a while later to hang out with those of you who do Make the trip in. I know many of you have been going to Falling Knife to watch Wolves games this season, but if you haven't been there, know it's located in Northeast Minneapolis off of Broadway Avenue. We'll see you on January 5th at 6.30 p.m. and get there early to reserve a seat. Come say hi to Britt Robson and I. This episode is brought to you by Land and Lore, the premier men's skincare brand that everyone is talking about. Finally, men are starting to realize that how you look determines how you feel and how you feel determines your mindset for success. If you've never tried a skincare product made for men, you have no idea how amazing you can look and feel. So if you've been one of the guys using a bar of soap, it's time to upgrade. Land and Lore is made with all natural botanicals, nutrients, and essential oils. It's safe, easy to use, feels, and smells amazing. Land and Lore guarantees if your face doesn't both feel better and look better in 14 days, they'll give you a refund, no questions asked. The company is founded by Mark Haysbrook, who started and then sold Hayneedle.com to Mark Laurie. So a bit of a Timberwolves connection here as well. But the primary reason to try Land and Lore is because everyone loves it. There's no risk. And you get a 15% discount by using Dane MBA at checkout. I've personally started using both the shower kit and the face kit. And I love it. I've never really used skincare stuff before. But now that I've used Land and Lore, I'll never not use skincare. I just feel better. So check out LandandLore.com today before they sell out. Again, that's Dane NBA, no spaces, for 15% off at Land and lore.com that's l-a-n-d-l-o-r-e.com okay chris uh let's let's move on kind of from the rebounding to talk about Nas and rudy but rebounding here it is an issue too uh, obviously Nas reed yep. has very much earned a spot into the rotation even though his fit has consistently been awkward um, when he's out there at power forward next to Rudy. Just the overall level of play that he has is, is demanding he plays, which I think we're we're all behind right now, given kind of the alternatives. But, I mean, that has been a shocking one all year, too. Like, when Rudy and Nas are on, this is before the Miami game because I pulled these together um, last night before the game. But, I mean, they are a first percentile, as in as bad as it gets, uh, defensive rebounding team when Rudy and Nas are both on the floor. And that's well over 100 minutes now for the season. So again, we're not talking yeah. that that small of a sample size. Now, we're acknowledging just Rudy on without another big. The rebounding hasn't been great when it's just Nas on, you know, as the one big. Again, rebounding has been the same thing with Cat. You know, it's an issue. You would think that that some of the double big looks would give you some better rebounding numbers it is not happening uh with Nas and Rudy I mean I remember one long rebound that like came to the left corner over Nas's head and he kind of like stumbled on his way back out there to get it and I think Tyler Tyler Hero just caught it you know made a corner three there it's just like I can picture like 15 of those over over the course yeah. of the season the one thing that's interesting though to me 
Chris, is the best rebounding numbers have come when Cat and Rudy are both on the floor. That is the like the one pairing of the bigs of any sort of big combination that they're above average in terms of yeah. defensive rebounding. And that was 21 games uh, or 19, I think, because Rudy missed two with COVID. But um, I think as as people are, it seems like after every win or when Nas plays well, it's like, you know, let's move on from this experiment, this and that. And obviously there's been a ton of issues with them. I'm not t- trying to brush over that. But as we start thinking more about Cat coming back and what that will help and maybe what will be awkward about that, I do think it's safe to say that when you do have Cat and Rudy back on there, the rebounding will be better than it has been. Um, granted, it is a very low bar, but um, I think some of this just like kind of devastating sort of snowball effect of offensive rebounding will subside a little bit when you know when you do have both Cat and Rudy starting again for this team. That was not as much of a glaring issue as I think maybe we remembered it to be. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised to see that they were. I think it said 59th percentile in, mm-hmm. your, in your numbers here. So no, not like great, said, but, little, but compared little, great, to all the but, other ones, but not, not first percentile, yeah. like, like the Ruby and Nas combo. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what I was going to say too uh, earlier was when you look at the, just the raw on off defensive rebounding numbers, the number, the other numbers that jump out to you are what happens when cat is on the floor mm-hmm. versus when cat is off the floor. Yep. And it was, if I could find them here, I just had them. Great podcasting by me. <laughs> well, we to had, have we the had numbers Kat, ready. when it's just cat <laughs> on versus off. And so that's him with Rudy or without Rudy, or about average, 45th percentile. Right. So yeah. overall, yeah. when cat has been on the floor, they've rebounded okay. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and largely driven by it being pretty good when, when it's the, when it's the boast of them out there. It's a too big combination. When it's right? just cat, it, you know, it hasn't been good either. And I think that just taps back into that same thing where it's the long rebounds are, are not being handled. Cat has always been, I mean, that's how he was a 12, 13 rebound guy is like Rudy. He can clean up that area within three, four five feet of the rim at a really high level. Like it's going to be, when it's both of them out there, can one of them handle that right around the rim rebounding? And can somebody take that next sort of like ring out to 10 feet and get, you know, and get more of those. And again, this seems like such a, like, I don't know, like high school type thing. But, but the reason we're talking about this is these are issues that have been persistent and just seem to be devastating to morale when they happen. So it has to change. I don't know where the answers come from that. Um, right now, when when you don't have Cat to go to, is there is there a different lineup combination you would like to see more of here that you think would be the cost versus benefit would be would be worth it? There, I, I have one that I'm thinking of. I don't know if it's a good idea, but is there anything that comes to mind for you? In terms of lineup combinations, it's tough just because you know guys are hurt right now. Yeah. Um, but you know it. I would assume that if you wanted a little, a little more rebounding beef, that maybe you throw Nate Knight in there a little bit. I don't. You know, I'm yeah. not. That's a little more bulk, a little more size. That's what I was um, thinking. Yeah, yeah. I. That's the only thing I could think of, given who's currently available. Um, and Anderson's presumably going to be coming back very soon here. Mm-hmm. But that's the only fix that I, I would, I would have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, as we've just acknowledged, it's been bad rebounding with two bigs yeah. out there largely all season. But, you know, I found myself in, in the Miami game watching and, you know, I don't really know Matt Ryan from whatever. I, I don't know what his game is exactly. We just haven't seen that much of it to know where he's strong or weak or whatever it might be. But when you have these lineups out there in, like, the normal rotation where you have both, like, Bryn Forbes and... Matt Ryan on the floor and Jalen Noel out there with them. To me, it seems like we are so low down the barrel, bottom of the barrel, right? That it might make sense to just go two bigs and even have Nate Knight out there at the four next to Rudy or next to Nas, whatever it might be. Just instead of it being Bryn Forbes or Matt Ryan or Jalen Noel, 
because you just would figure you're going to play more physical with that group. I understand it would come with other yeah. issues. I just, the alternatives are not strong options right now. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen that yet. Uh, maybe that, because Finch, which we should say, Finch has started playing Nas and Rudy together more. So he is, whether yep. it be the injuries to the team or whatever it might be, he's growing increasingly comfortable with playing two bigs together in in Cat's absence, the next like level to hit with that would be okay. We're going to start playing maybe Nate Knight over a Matt Ryan or or Bryn Forbes. I don't know how that would work. Just on paper, it would seem like it would inject you at a minimum with some more physicality. I just don't think you know. And when Finch is trying to figure out who's playing where and when, I don't think rebounding is at the top of his mind. Yep. When he's coming up with lineup combinations, I think it's. How do these guys fit offensively? I think is first, and then, yep, and then defense is a close. Just how do we defend is a close second, mm-hmm. and rebounding is somewhere down the list of priorities. Um, and I think that's why you saw the lineup you saw at, at certain times in, in that first half, and then at the end of the game when Nas is playing over Rudy mm-hmm. um, for for most of the stretch run there. Which, by the way, there were issues on the Zoom call. We did not get to ask Finch. Um, kind of about that decision last night, um, which we which we had been able to. Um, so there's no kind of answer for why Rudy was sitting most of the final few minutes of that game last night. Just want to clarify that for for the audience out there. Yeah. Um, and and I think yeah, as John kind of wrote in his thing this morning, it was if people didn't, you know, if you're with your family or you're just skipping the wolves right now, like. Rudy checked back in for like a defensive possession with like 27 seconds left or something like that. Yep. But it was the last five, six minutes of the game where Finch just did go with Nas at the five and no other, you know, second big out there. And when I was saying when John put it in his story, he kind of compared it to J-Mac closing game six of the playoffs over over D'Lo. Obviously different stakes there, but it was Finch isn't often one to like go away from what the set plan is. He's always very intentional about getting the starters back in. He's not really a, I don't know, generally speaking, like a ride the hot hand at the end of game sort of guy. So to me, when yeah. this does happen, it is telling. It is, it as it was an indictment of Delo's play in game six against Memphis, I think in Miami on Monday, it was Finch indicting Rudy not having it at least that night. Uh, against Miami not having the ability to kind of take advantage of his size because this Miami team was tiny, right, Chris? I mean, really the yep. one true big they had was Orlando Robinson, who's a two-way, you know, 6'10", 6'11 guy um, who who hurt this team. So it's like they were way – the Wolves were way bigger in this one and they played like the far smaller team. And even if some of these defensive rebounding issues are on the guards, like that right there is on Rudy is on the centers to be able to an inability to be able to outperform Orlando Robinson is pretty, it's pretty inexcusable. And that's what they sold us on with the, with the trade, right? Is, yeah. Oh, when, when teams go small against, against us, we're going to be able to just punish them offensively inside. Now, obviously part of that plan was having cat on the floor as well. But when you come in with a, a an opponent like that, where, basically their whole front their whole center rotation is is gone like you need, you need a 20 point effort out of Rudy yep in, in a night like that it's just you just gotta have it it was that's, weird because it started like it brought him in here Remember, yeah, like the right. beginning of the game you're like okay this is gonna be this is gonna be a Rudy game and then Miami yep. kind of went zone and stayed in it and you didn't hear much from Rudy the the entire rest of the night out some of that I think is on the guards too they're still like miraculously bad at feeding him um, in in a lot of situations like per, around the basket. I mean, they're getting him more and more on the lobs, but um, that is just it has not been seamless whatsoever in terms of trying to get Rudy off offensively. That continues almost halfway through the season to be a real serious issue with this team. Yeah, I wonder how much of Finch's decision last night, again, we didn't get to ask him about it, was, you know, kind of like a, a little gentle poke to Rudy to maybe get him 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's nothing that sends a message quite like cutting somebody's playoff time or, or playing time, especially in crunch time minutes. Totally, that is the biggest message a, a coach can send to players. You are not good enough to be on the floor in the in the last few minutes of a close game. Um, a B, I would like to ask Finch and Rudy how much of maybe this current iteration of Rudy that we've seen the last couple nights is still him trying to play through any sort of issue with his ankle. Mm. Is he a hundred percent? Is he not a hundred percent? I would like to ask that and, and try to figure that out as well. Um, that was going to be a question I would right. have asked Finch last night if we had the opportunity to. Um, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot there that we still need to have answered, but, but ultimately when you sit a guy in the final five minutes of a game like that, that I think that is also maybe Finch trying to light a fire under Gobert a little bit. I, I think so. I think so. A hundred percent. And it is, it is those time. I mean, these, but let, let's actually, let's mix in one more break here. And then I want to just talk about crunch time in general. Cause I think with these last three games have been, have been pretty telling in that vein. We'll be back with Chris here in 60 seconds. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chris, we were we were just talking about kind of crunch time and we've had these last three games, right, that have had meaningful minutes in the fourth quarter. I don't know if they would meet clutch requirements or whatever, but um, but I thought, you know, Dallas last week, Boston, Dallas on Wednesday, Boston on Friday and then Miami on Monday. It was it was telling to me that in all three of those games, you got to the fourth quarter and as you're watching the fourth quarter. You kind of had this feeling that even a banged up Miami team played in the fourth quarter like a team who has played in a lot of fourth quarters before, right? Like they kind of they kind of had been there before. And to me, it was a telling gap or a reminder that while this team is more talented right now than it has been in previous seasons, that's still a big marginal di- difference that they have between a team, even like Dallas, right, who has about the same record as they do in the West, like the Wolves just do not have experience playing in close games, playing when it matters. And I think that is getting exposed by teams who have, who have been there before. And just in terms of that execution, we were talking about it is the Wolves are not executing in crunch time at the same level of other playoff teams, particularly ones who have consistently been to the playoffs these past few years. And I think it just speaks to, you know, a, a new roster construction coming yep. into the year and then cat goes, goes down. And so you're trying to figure out kind of what the list of priorities and the pecking order is when it gets down to crunch time. Mm-hmm. Um, because cat figured into that mix early in the season. Now he's not there. So who does it? Is this a D low night where, where he's on fire? So it's just, you know, like a Utah game, just, get the ball to D'Lo and let him do his thing. But but if it's not one of those nights, you know, is it Ant? And is Ant going to try to force the issue mm-hmm. by forcing shots up in, in the middle of a crowd? Or is he going to try to be a playmaker? What does he feel in those moments? Um, you know, the secondary guys, are they prepared to take the open shots and hit them? in you know the final minute of a game if if they're if they come open no and the answer is no right right, now the answer is right right correct but these are all the things that probably go through their heads in in the late game you know late game situation it's like oh delo delo's our guy for you know Mm -hmm. the the big freeze with a minute left and 
well, if that's not happening on a given night, you know, is D'Lo going to take the shot? And if he's not going to take the shot, then who's who's going to be taking the shot? They don't know. They don't have like to your point that 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 those reps the way yeah. that Boston does because they had a finals run with mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or that Dallas did because they have Luca mm-hmm. and they know how to play whether teams are trying to take away Luca or not. Uh, and Miami is just Miami, you know. <laughs> well reputed to be one of the yeah. best run coach teams in the league. So yeah, you see, you see it show up against three teams that have been in the playoffs, have made, mm-hmm. have won playoff series. And it's no surprise that they were out executed in the final minutes of, of games like this. Absolutely not. You know, I was thinking last night, Chris, as I was watching the game and like, just kind of like separating the expectations of this team given like Rudy's presence. And I'm, I'm not saying this team shouldn't have expectations. You trade five first round picks. You absolutely have that expectation to be playing at a higher level, to have a better record than they have had before. But if you could just like turn that off for a while and watch the Timberwolves play, particularly in the minutes when Rudy is on the bench, you look at this team and you go, this is such a young team. You know, this is such a team that doesn't have experience, that doesn't have reps doing it. I mean, Anthony Edwards is an example, right, of just being a, a young player, but other guys that they're leaning on significantly off the bench in Jalen Noel and Nas Reed are guys who just haven't really done it much before, P- certainly not on winning teams where they've got minutes. I mean, pretty much every opportunity Jalen Noel and Nas Reed have gotten through the now four, like, first three years of their career were when the roster was decimated by injuries or they were 25 games under 500 and they're in the rotation for a week or whatever it might be. And I just watched this Wolves team play now. And I'm like, okay, you got guys who are a little bit more mature than they were a while ago, but broadly, this is just a team that is so young and does not have more discipline than that youth should suggest. I think that was the hope with Rudy is that on top of, you know, Rudy's presence boosting your rim defense or defensive rebounding, some of that, like it would inject this sort of like maturity of the group. And, and what I think I've learned in in the Rudy time is that the style of player he is just given that he's like a center and can't really do things like independently, it really exposes this. And I just think you have this weird juxtaposition on the roster where like, I don't want to say it's a rebuilding roster, but like outside of Rudy, it's like a building roster. You know what I'm saying? And and you just awkwardly have Rudy in the mix here, which like screams that you should be better than you are. But the rest of your roster just does not have these reps in crunch time situations. Does not a lot of these guys just haven't played that much. No. And and the execution isn't there. Like, I don't think it's that crazy that this team stinks at execution right now. Outside of the fact that no. they traded five first round picks to go be a contender this season. But just on paper, like they're a young team. They, they are. And your point is a good one. Cause I, I, I hadn't really even thought of it before. It's like, okay, Nas Reed and Jalen Noel are, you know, they have multiple years under their belts as NBA players. But to your point, they have not had these kind of minutes, not at all. crunch time sort of minutes, not at all. Those specific kind of minutes they are lacking in experience in. It's something I never really thought of before you just brought it up. Um, but it's very true. Um, it's like, I, I remember that one Nas game against Oklahoma City. It was like the year, like one of the times Cap broke his wrist and Nas had like 28 in Oklahoma City. And it was like this crunch yeah. time game. I remember they ran the last play for Nas and he like, he missed the shot or something like that. It's like, that that's happened like three times to Nas in three seasons. So this is all just so new given new. how bad yep those teams were that they, that they came in on. Yep. And, and that's, I think you see that show up in, in moments like mm-hmm. last night and, you know, it, it shows up, it shows up in two ways. Um, the, the thing with crunch time is you just want to do what you normally do, mm-hmm. whether it's the first quarter, or second quarter in the fourth quarter, that's the key to being a key crunch time player. It's not trying to do too much or you just, shy away from the moment and let somebody else do it. Right. Um, and I, I think that there's given, just given the opportunities, 
there you see a little bit of both right. in those instances where you're, you're either a little too aggressive or you're a little too passive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just run your, run your stuff, play the way you would as if it was seven minutes left in the second quarter. Um, right. And that's the key to being a, a clutch time player. They don't have that experience yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the other thing that I, that I, that I wonder about too, and it's something that, you know, guys will, brush off when you ask them about it because you know they don't want to make it sound like it's that big of a deal um but you know Nas and Jalen uh not to harp on the two of them but they're in contract years too sure. so I I do wonder just every night they take the floor the human element of in Nas's case I was an undrafted guy and in Jalen's case I was a second round pick how much of man? I really need to secure <laughs> this. This no, I, next I think this contract. Is a good point. This is a good point. Keep this going. next contract for my future, for my family's future. Like how much that pressure is just weighing on them mm-hmm. specifically because they didn't come in with the, you know, with a, as a high pick or a first round pick, and and you know had a decent rookie deal that they are really playing to try and make their money now for the first time in their careers, really. Um, I, I just I just wonder how much of that goes into their mindset every night they take the floor. I see it even more with Jalen than I do with Nas, I yeah. think. And and maybe that's because, you know, Nas is playing better than, than Jalen is. But I was just going through yesterday, like, just like split the calendar in half from the, the 21 games they had before Cat's injury versus, well, now it's been 13 games uh, without him. And just kind of looking at, like, some of people's numbers moving, who's playing more, whatever it might be. And an interesting one is, is Jalen Noel in that, like he was, when Kat was playing, he was playing about 17 minutes a night. Now he's playing about 24 minutes a night. And that's jumped his points per game from 10 a game to 13 a game. But it was really interesting to just look at like some of the percentages, like wherever it might have been on the floor, like it's the same effective field goal percentage before and after. Bad at the rim before and after. Solid from mid-range before and after. Awful from three in in both of them. Like, nothing has really changed for Jalen Noel, even in pretty different roles, right? Or different iterations of the team. And I do think that is a sign of pressing from Jalen. Because we have seen it be better, right? I mean, there was that little five-game pocket right at the beginning of the season where we are like, man, it's Jalen Noel guy. I don't think they're going to be able to keep him. He might go for ten million plus, um, in, right. in free agency, and it's just, I mean, from a, what we're talking about standpoint of like where are these guys going, they're in contract years, all that. It's important, but I mean, I know we just talked about how decimated this roster is, but it doesn't feel right now that Jalen Noel deserves twenty five minutes a night. He the the level of play just isn't there, which is which is a bummer. And I understand the alternatives are the guys we were just saying, we're not sure should be playing either. And Bryn Forbes, Matt Ryan, whatever it might be. But um, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like Jalen should maybe be holding on to this role by a thread, uh, but he's just kind of almost being gifted it right now, given that, uh, that they're, they're so desperate right now. Like they could really use one of those five game stretches from Jalen, like he had at the beginning of the season where yeah. it just is, extra like that the extra juice that sixth man microwave score type of guy like they have really been missing that and for Jalen's sake it's it sucks that it isn't happening I think Chris like you know you've covered pro sports a lot longer than I have but when you're around players like this and you know guys who like scrape their way into the league as undrafted second round pick like the human in you is cheering for that person to like earn it and and get it and it's why it's been a it's been a cool thing to watch Nas's development and Jalen, it felt like he was right on the precipice of that. And now, yeah, I mean, I'm, he's gotta be going home thinking like, man, do I even have this role once we're all the way back healthy? And if I don't, then where am I going to be playing next year? How much am I going to be playing the year after that? Like as a human, it makes sense that he's pressing right now. I think. I I think so too. And you know, one thing that I, I would wonder about in looking up your numbers too, is, how much of Jordan McLaughlin being out is affecting Jalen Noel's production as well? That's a really good um, call. I didn't think about that. I think it's. I think that's that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I think 
for Jalen is is hurting because you know those guys played a, played a decent amount together. The the you know the whole connection with Iowa and all that right mm-hmm. like that J Mac is obviously a big big part of that. So I wonder how much of of McLaughlin being out is not helping Jalen Noel. And as it pertains to his role, I mean, you look at what they have right now and who is that scorer coming off the bench? There is nobody else. Totally. You know, there, there, there isn't somebody to, to really fill that scoring playmaking role when, when you have to get into these bench minutes right now. Um, so, I mean, he's going to keep playing the minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, is he going to produce? And I, I, I really think that he could benefit a lot from having Jordan McLaughlin come back, which doesn't seem to be uh, close to happening, at least right now. We, we, I think he was in a boot last night. Yeah, I, I heard broadcast. that on the broadcast. Um, the sense I'd been so, getting is it was, you know, getting closer and, you know. Getting closer, yeah. Jordan had just said, like, you know, it's one of those things where if it doesn't get all the way healed, you know, it's it's just so easy to re-injure, so. I mean, I, I guess yeah. I get it from that standpoint, get him 100% back. But it's, I think for fans, it's, it's frustrating with him to like have a big question mark on when is he back. And Torian Prince is kind of seeming that way too. You know, it, it feels like it's been, quote unquote, a week or so away for Torian Prince for about for a month. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And um, this isn't yeah. the tanking thing anymore where they're like, obviously right. they want Torian Prince back and they want him playing. It's just, these things are not with him and J Mac are just not bouncing back as, as quickly yeah. as they initially thought. Well, yeah. But as it, going back to Jalen, I, I do think that he, that there's an element of pressing and, you know, uh, trying to make sure, you know, he gets his, mm-hmm. um, but, and I think that that's uh, something that he, that he grapples with. And I think it's something that, that Finch and the team, mm-hmm. you know, will grapple with, with him is like, look, you are, you are at your best when you also help make plays for others, you know, and not trying to always just feel like you need to be a scorer or want to be a scorer out there. Cause he's got that playmaking in him. He does. He does. We've seen. He does. Absolutely. He does. And, you know, I, I think they need it more now that Jordan McLaughlin's not there to also be that guy to make plays for other people. So it's a, it's a weird thing where, I think he feels like he needs to score more and he feel, and you know, not just for him, but also that's what he does. That's how that is his value to the team. So it's not a selfish thing to, for him to say that I need to score when I'm on the floor because that is what he does. Right. Um, but without Jordan McLaughlin to take some of that playmaking pressure off, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different and a little different dynamic, to maybe what he's used to um, on the floor. Chris, they got uh they got New Orleans on on Wednesday and then in Milwaukee again. That's the game three and four of this this four game uh, road trip. Uh, you know, against more tested teams. I mean, Milwaukee more than New Orleans, I guess, is tested, but New Orleans has played um, at a high level. So I think we'll see crunch time again in this. We'll we'll see if and where tweaks are made possible. I think these are two opponents uh, you could lean into going bigger against. Um, you could play. If you've been playing Nas and Rudy together for like 12, 14 minutes a night, I think you could lean into that even further um, against these teams. I'll be curious to see if that happens. And I'll just be curious to see if they're able to, you know, kind of deviate from this recent uh, pattern that that they've they've been on. Because as always, it's like you can't just let you just can't let the bottom fall out. You got to stay afloat here around 500 um, in in the time that that cat has gone. I also wanted to make sure to uh, I saw you had a, a tweet yesterday that you're um, writing a story in advance of Pride Night for the Wolves and that you're you're looking for. I'll let you explain it, but you're, you're looking for input from the LGBTQ community or Wolves fan community. Um, what are you looking for there? Yeah, um, kind of similar to what I did earlier. I, you know, we are coming up on Pride Night here and I would just like to get perspectives from people. Uh, LGBTQ Wolves fans, you know, especially if you plan on attending, I would love to, I would love to hear from 
people that have plans to attend. Um, I had one or two people tell me they didn't even know Pride Night was coming up. <laughs> they well, answered my, my tweet yesterday. What, uh, what's the date? It's tell them. January, January 4th is, is Pride Night. I think they're playing Portland that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just want to, you know, given, given what we've seen over the last few months, I would just like to see where people are at in terms of their fandom um, with the Wolves and with, with Anthony Edwards and with, and with Rudy Gobert and just kind of how they feel on a, on a nightly basis, you know, just rooting for this team. Does it bring you as much joy? Do you, do you, you know, have you considered everything that's happened as, you know, water under the bridge now? I just want to see how people are feeling because I think that there's a lot of complex emotions that go with it. Some people, um, from what I've gleaned so far are have, have moved on and, and don't, you know, they're, they've put everything behind them, but for some people, um, their fandom is still a little more complex and complicated. Um, Yeah. And I think that's the way to put it. No, like no wrong answers, right? Like you are, what you are just trying to get here is the honest opinion of, of, of how these people out of, you know, curiosity of how does this, you know, how does this feel for you? And, and I think the, the best thing is to get, you know, diverse uh, opinions on that to, to better understand where, you know, where you are. I think that's a, a really, I remember you writing that in the fall. I think it was actually right before you and I did a pod um, yeah. on it. And it, it does, as for, for me, it, it's, you know, it's as always with Wolves fans, it's like, I have a different perspective of this given my job as, as, as you do as well. I think we're oftentimes a little too close to things to feel them um, in ways or, or feel them in the way uh, a, a fan does. So, yeah, please don't hesitate to to reach out to to Chris. And I think my DMs are open. That would be the best way to contact me is just DM me on Twitter. And it can be anonymous, correct? If people are. Yes. Feel, feel yeah. You, you could just, yeah. You, if you hit me up, um, it does not mean that I'm going to automatically quote you or mm-hmm. use your name. I will ask for your permission before i use your name um or you could just tell me how you're feeling anonymously because even that just gives me you know a, a at least a flavor of how you are feeling and it gives me a flavor of how people in general are feeling even if you don't want to be quoted so i would any 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 feedback would be great perfect well do reach out to chris um and like you said on twitter you can dm him uh at christopher uh hein on on twitter and uh we yeah would love to get that that perspective from, from you guys. So, uh, and then, yeah, just with Chris in general, as, as we say all the time, you know, he's on the beat of this team. Uh, you can follow all of his work at the Star Tribune. He wrote that article on, on the defensive rebounding has a lot of stats in there that we actually didn't even get into on this, but just kind of like putting some numbers to the eye test and to what we're hearing the players and, and coaches saying consistently this year, that this is an issue that was an issue last season that they have not solved and will have to solve to be uh, the the level of team that they that they expect to be. So, as always, um, read Chris over there at the Star Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. I will be uh, back with Jace Frederick on uh, Wednesday morning to record uh, Britt on Thursday and and Kyle on Friday. Until then, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Greening hearts so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else